Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic in the Moon podcast. As always, I am your host, David, and I'm excited to be back with you. It is 2024 now. This is the first episode of the new year. Um, I hope that everyone had a good uh, holiday time, however they celebrate, or even if you just have, you know, uh, some work uh, or school downtime or whatever you did, I hope that it was great, and I hope that your new year has been uh, happy and healthy. And um, I want to talk to you guys about closed practices. That's the topic of this episode. Um, on one hand, I think that there's merit to referring to certain practices as being closed. Um, but I think due to the internet not always being the best place to convey nuance and in particular with like short format videos like TikTok, um, I think it's very, very hard to convey the nuance that we need to have in these conversations. And I think because of that, there is a tendency to kind of assume that if there's any tradition that is um, restricted in some way, meaning you can't just show up and do it just because you decide to, um, that anything like that is completely off limits to outsiders in any and all situations, and that's not really true. So let's talk about some different examples um, of how a practice can be closed, or perhaps um, a better way of saying that would be the different types of closed practices, because you may have a closed practice that's completely off limits to outsiders always, and then you may have one that just requires you to ask to join, or maybe there's something you have to do to join. So we're going to break that down. So something uh, being referred to as a closed practice, rather than that meaning one specific individual thing, it's more like a loose category that just means a tradition has some sort of barrier to entry. The barriers are not all the same, um, but there's some sort of requirement um, before you can join something. So one example that some people I think are surprised to hear when I talk about closed practices is Catholicism. And I know that we don't really think of that as being closed and it's not closed in the sense that it's like, you know, limited by like race or ethnicity or culture of origin or anything like that. And of course you can be a Christian, um, by just saying you are right? In the general sense, at least, a Christian is just anyone who says that they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that he is, you know, the solution to sin in the world, right? That's all it takes to make one a Christian. But to be a Catholic in particular, you know, you go through, um, if you're brought in as a child, you know, you might be baptized by your parents and godparents, and then you might go through, you know, First Holy Communion, um, you might take a confirmation. Eventually, you know, you become a member of the church. Or if you're an adult, you know, it's the RCIA, which is the ritual or the rite, excuse me, the rite of Christian initiation for adults. Um, and you become baptized and take your first communion. You become confirmed and an official member of the Catholic Church. It's not as simple as just declaring yourself to be a Catholic. Um, you know, of course, it's not quite that simple because a lot of the ministry of the Catholic Church is still available to you, even if you haven't been confirmed, right? Anybody can go attend Mass um, as long as they, you know, abstain from receiving the Eucharist if they haven't been able to do that. 
So that's closed, right? Um, the religions of the African diaspora are closed um, in a different way. And I'll speak to Candomblé uh, in particular, just because that's what I have the most firsthand knowledge of. But you can't just declare yourself to be a Candomblécisto. You have to go through um, divinations. You have to speak to our priest or priestess, which we call um, a Babalorisha or Ialorisha, to do divination for you to see if you're meant to walk that path at all. Um, if it is, you know, you'll get associated with a temple or tererio or a house, and you'll probably be given trainings and educations. You'll be getting to know the people to see if it seems like a good fit, because you're not just committing to a spiritual practice. You're committing to participating in a community of people, um, of human people that are flawed and have strengths and weaknesses, as we all do. So you're feeling out that community as well, just as much as you're feeling out a religious expression. So... That is a closed practice um, in the sense that it requires all of those things and obligations. And eventually, um, you know, there are potentially several initiation ceremonies to go through. And I don't know as much about um, the other African diaspora religions like uh, Cuban Lukumi called Santaria a lot or like Haitian Voldu. I don't know as much about those things. I'm not going to speak to them. But uh, from what I understand, it's very similar that you don't just declare yourself to be um, part of Lukumi or a Vaudouissant. You have to go to the proper channels of their priesthoods to do divination. And then for those for whom it is appropriate, eventually, you know, perhaps to initiate into those traditions. So if someone, for example, is a newcomer to, you know, spirituality, perhaps they're new to spiritual practice in general, and they're trying to decide which path is right for them, and if they ask, like, hey, can, I'm interested in Vodou or I'm interested in, you know, Santaria or whatever it is, a lot of the time what I've seen is that on the internet, these people will get shot down immediately. People will say, like, don't even ask about it. Um, you know, those are closed practices. Leave them alone. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, they, they could be described as closed. And I don't think that's an inaccurate description necessarily. But if we're not specifying the how and why a tradition is closed, telling anyone that we run across that's curious about those traditions that they're just closed and you should leave them alone, that's not really helping anybody. That's not educating the interested people in the reasons behind why something is closed and why that's important, nor does it tell them how they can go about joining if they're able to or anything like that. So just shouting down that something's closed just doesn't help spread helpful information and it's discouraging to people that are truly curious about things and don't know any better so here's my advice if you are engaging um if that's in person or online or whatever with someone who's curious about a tradition that you believe to be closed if you feel that you truly have enough knowledge to speak about it i would encourage you to instead of just saying it's closed and dismissing them, take some time to explain how it is closed in particular. Do they need to go find a teacher that's already part of that community to be brought in? Is it as simple as asking to be brought in? Do they have to have a, some sort of divination done? Do they need to train and perhaps go through an initiation ceremony or several initiation ceremonies? 
um, are you able to put them in contact with a person from those traditions that can help them explain more? Go about it helpfully. Or if you don't have that information yourself, refer them to someone that does. Refer them to a resource that can help them. Like, for example, like let's say someone's interested in, you know, Gardnerian Wicca and you're not Gardnerian, but you could refer them to something like Mandragora Magica, which is um, a directory of kind of pagan and uh, Wiccan groups and covens where they could find someone that's vouched for that has um, perhaps a coven or a training group. If someone's interested in one of the, you know, African traditional religions and you're not part of them, you can refer them to people that are, or you can refer them to, um, you know, perhaps a directory or a listing or a Facebook group that you know is genuine. And if you don't know, then don't say. Don't claim to know, know more than you do, because there's nothing wrong with not knowing something. We all started out as beginners. We all started out not knowing much about anything, especially because um, for a large portion of the world, and perhaps even more so for my audience in particular, that I think tends to be um, you know, from Western countries where they speak English mostly, that's Christianity is the only framework we have for any sort of religious knowledge. So sometimes people are really earnestly seeking something and genuinely don't know better and they don't know what questions to ask or who to ask them to. So have patience for people, give them the benefit of the doubt as much as you can. If someone's interested in some sort of spirituality or religious practice that you have heard is closed, don't just yell at them to stop looking into it. And if you have the ability and the knowledge maybe take the time to point them in the right direction so they're not just left feeling shut out or like they're being excluded for just not knowing something when that's hypocritical of us to do that. Gatekeeping has its place. There's a reason these traditions are closed and people who are on the other side of closed traditions, you know, I think to an extent we have an obligation to be gatekeepers to preserve these traditions, to make sure that they're passed respectfully and in the ways that they were passed to us. Um, that's a very core idea to me in particular in the context of like traditional Wicca, as it was taught to me, is that I have a responsibility to um, pass down this tradition to my students in the way that it was passed down to me. So there's a need for gatekeeping. There's a need for you know some degree of exclusion. And the criteria for that of who is, you know, let in and who is kept out is going to vary from, you know, different traditions, different expressions, uh, particularly in these, the context of some of the examples I've used, it varies a lot, right? Like Wiccan covens are autonomous to themselves. They don't, there's not a, a Wiccan Pope that we all have to report back to. So with the exception of one's own upline and downline through their, you know, initiatory lineage, there isn't anything else. So what's acceptable to one coven and the person that they might choose to initiate might be very different than a different coven who maybe does things a different way or doesn't initiate, you know, um, in the same way or with the same expectations. In the context of, you know, the African diaspora religions, the temples or the houses, or in Brazil, the teledios, as we call them, they vary a lot from place to place. Um, for example, I know some more traditional kind of old school candomblé houses that they don't initiate anyone into candomblé that is not a baptized and confirmed 
member of the Catholic Church, they won't do it. Um, I know that there are some Haitian voodoo houses that refuse to initiate someone that is white or white passing, but then there are others that initiate people of any race and always have. So explore the nuance. Look into the reasons why a tradition is closed. Was it for safety reasons? Like with the you know African diaspora religions, were they masking something because they were being abused and colonized? Um, and in a similar way, it's why a lot of traditional witchcraft ceremonies have traditions of being done in secret or keeping things secret about what happens because for many, many years, and in some places still, it was a problem of safety. Um, to know who was in a coven or who had become a witch was dangerous. So, and I don't mean like in the burning times, you know, where the daughters of the witches you couldn't burn thing. Don't mean that. I mean the very real sense of like, in the satanic panic, people lost their jobs. Um, in the 80s and 90s, at least in the United States, and I'm sure other places as well, if someone accused you of witchcraft, that could affect your employment, that could affect your ability to have custody of your children. Um, there are still people in jail to this day of having been accused of, like, you know, bullshit, satanic ritual abuse or whatever. So there's reasons why traditions are closed, is what I'm trying to say. So keep that in mind. Try to explore the nuance. Explore the historical context. Why has this particular practice or tradition been off limits to some people but open to others? Um, because that context really explains a lot. Because I think as much as the internet and technology is a great thing for communication and for building relationships and having access to lots of things, I think the downside of that can sometimes be that we feel entitled to all information at all times. When the reality is that, yeah, some things are being gatekept from you. Um, you're not entitled to access the information and the practices and the spirits of every culture and every system. So... This is my rant on closed practices. Um, this is not necessarily like a super long, like full length episode, but I think it's important to talk about and I hope you learn something and I will see you next time.